Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgan. It's kind of funny. It's kind of like being at a singles bar. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. It's hour number two of this four-hour extravaganza, the Mackey and Judd show. Those guys are on vacation back tomorrow. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson, Chris Long, 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. Filling in, Dave Harrigan is here as he always is, producing and technically directing. We can open up the phone lines for the next couple segments. Whatever is on your mind. We're about to get to a topic that I hope there's some reaction to, but whatever is on your mind, if you have a question for us, a thought, whatever it is, 651-646-8255. Dave is real excited about screening your call. 651-646-8255. Especially about college hockey. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. He is. Look at the smile on Dave's face. He can't wait. So anyway, I take Droogie and one of his classmates, classmate's dad had four tickets four tickets by the way we're in our newsroom for about a 24-hour period mm-hmm. just sitting on this free table we have in the channel five oh, i didn't know that newsroom yeah well, they're I just was, sitting I was working you I were couldn't, working you used them but. but they were just sitting there for a while finally our boss our colleague jill schmidt says hey dukes you know droogie loves to go to games there's tickets over here go first hockey for friday night you should grab them so i did but they were sitting there for a long time so nobody in our newsroom had interest in going to gophers michigan state on friday so we go. Let's preface this by saying college hockey has been a niche sport for decades. I'm passionate about it. We're yes. Not, we're not here trying to position that college hockey is, it is what it is, but. So go ahead. Correct. All right. That being said, and I'm with you. Yeah. It's been a niche sport forever. The fan base is passionate. Maybe yes. as passionate a fan base as there is. But, but yes, college hockey is very much a niche sport. Yeah. All right. So I take Droogie, his buddy, his buddy's dad on Friday. All right. We get there. And keep in mind, Friday, a lot of people were going north, south, Weather deer hunting opener, right? My brother-in-law yeah. kicked some tail. The Holy was... God, okay, I couldn't believe all, all the deer he got. But anyway, a lot of people lousy. went hunting. Yeah, the yeah. weather was crappy, right? I mean, it snowed, didn't stick, but it snowed on Friday. So I get it, weather, hunting. But Chris, you could have sat wherever the heck you wanted to on Friday night. For a Gophers men's hockey game mm-hmm. against a sort of name opponent, Michigan State, mm-hmm. to a degree. I get it. That. People don't we care can, about Big Ten hockey, but it's a minute. name yeah. university, Michigan State. Chris, we had right behind the Michigan State bench, our seats were row nine, seats three, four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. Seats one and two were open in our row. Seats 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 were open in our row. There were empty seats behind us, in front of us. If you went into the corners, there were empty rows. The student section was maybe 40% full. What the heck is happening? And I get it. This is not a new topic. 
but what the heck is happening? Well, Why was nobody at Gophers Men's Hockey on Friday? It, I would bet. I don't know what the crowd was at Maturi Pavilion for Gophers Volleyball. It, it was more. It was more. There's now, no way that volleyball didn't draw more than Men's Hockey on Friday. Mariucci Arena holds 10,000. Reported attendance Saturday night, and this is not the Gophers trumping something up. This is tickets sold. Mm-hmm. 8,349. And I think, yeah, from a ticket sold or distributed standpoint. 4,000? Half full? Half, yeah. So four or 5,000? Yeah. Not five. I don't so, think five. So what that tells you is, and I have no reason to believe that they're trumping up these numbers. We could find out if they are. We could get into it. So they have. They, there's no compelling reason for them to falsely report. People have tickets and aren't showing up. And... The obvious reason for that, and you can say what you want about what the team's done. I mean, I got into a pretty good argument on both sides with someone on on social media over the weekend that, you know, if a team is winning, people will show up. Well, the Gopher hockey team has been winning. Yeah, I mean, that is an an enjoyable product. They have an NCAA. They're ranked number five in the country. Casey Middlestead is a star. There's every reason to go to a Gophers men's hockey game. There's six conference titles in a row has never been done in college hockey before. Say what you want about there's only 60 teams, et cetera, et cetera. It has never, ever been done. Even back when there were 20 teams, nobody won six straight. Mix in a couple fours and fours. They are winning as much as... It's tough because the bar that's set for this team is win a national championship or the season's a failure. Which is unfair, I think. Yes, but also should then also fuel the fire of interest in the team. If that's the bar, that is Notre Dame football. That is uh, New York Yankees baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that should fuel interest. The problem is, and I won't. This horse has been dead for three years, and I give Don Lucia a lot of credit for really publicly, anyway, taking the high road on this over and over and over. The, the the concept of Big Ten hockey was so flawed and such a huge colossal mistake. Now I get it, you're 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 adding programming on Big Ten Network, which fuels money for all the schools. Everything in college athletics, everything is driven by football and basketball. I get that, but the concept of Big Ten hockey was so flawed. What made college hockey so great, and we talked about it being this niche sport, this incredibly passionate, maybe most passionate, but small audience was the rivalries. And it's not just the WCHA. Of course, the obvious one for us to look at is the Minnesota-North Dakota, Minnesota-UMD, Minnesota-St. Cloud, Minnesota-Mankato. Also in the CCHA, there you had some pretty good rivalries. Michigan-Ohio State, now they're still in the Big Ten together, but it just doesn't mean as much. You threw in a Miami of Ohio. That was their highest profile sport. Football's flashed a little bit. Wally Zerbiak and basketball flashed a little bit. But that's a hockey school. Those teams now are playing Northern Michigan and and teams that they just don't care about, just like the big guys. The only Big Ten matchup that that anybody I can tell associated with the Gophers really puts stake in, aside from the team, the team is every game is a big game, is the Wisconsin game. Mm-hmm. Minnesota Michigan is not developed into a hockey rivalry. There just is no crossover. When you're talking North Dakota, St. Cloud, Mankato, Duluth, Minnesota, or even Wisconsin, those are kids that have been playing against each other or with each other since they were five years old. They are recruited by every one of those schools. There is bad blood. Uh, teams took their turn. UMD has had their run. St. Cloud has flashed a couple times. Mankato had a good year. Bemidji made a run to a Frozen Four a couple years ago. There was a fantastic, tight rivalry, tight community of college hockey that the Big Ten, in pursuit of money, and I get it, I will never fault anybody, an individual, a company, or an organization, for going after money, but the decision was made to go Big Ten, and the hope was, well, it'll build. 
Well, the first defeat was finally acknowledged because the crowds at the Big Ten tournaments at neutral sites were embarrassing. It was hundreds of people. You think it's bad in Mariucci? You should have seen the Big Ten tournaments. Yes, those Thursday 4 o'clock games. (laughs) Dozens at that game. They finally have blown that up, which will help. But it'll come. It'll be there. No, it won't. There's too much competition for sports attention these days. No one is going to get excited about Minnesota-Michigan State hockey in, I was going to say in my lifetime, but I think that's probably a safe bet. Unless they go backwards somehow and fix this. I don't know how college hockey gets out of this. The product is great at the U. They, they are a national championship caliber team every single year. Say what you want. The should be fired if they don't win a title. Fine, you're entitled to that, that opinion. They're number five in the country. They've won their conference six years in a row. I have no explanation other than nobody. It, it's Look at what the volleyball team has done as the other side. Volleyball is also a niche sport. Huge growth in Minnesota. They sold out the pavilion against two average opponents. Maryland and Ohio State are not quote-unquote rivals. Uh, They have built something there that is just interest in that team. So the argument can be made, could the go for a hockey team, you know, if they win two national championships, would people come back? I don't know that they would. Is it filibuster? No, no, no. I like the filibuster because between the two of us, you are far more passionate about college hockey, hockey as a whole, than I am. So filibuster all you want, but is it an unfair comparison? Go ahead. Because of ticket cost. And this is where I need some help. We had a couple people on hold. Chris was on hold. A couple other people are on hold. Call back. We'll get to you. 651-646-8255. 651-646-8255. What does it cost to go to a volleyball match? Six bucks, seven bucks. But here's what blows that argument. Those hockey tickets are expensive, but right? But here's what blows that argument up. Plus, people got their seats but were stop, moved. Stop. Yes, stop. Well, they still. So what I'm sold, saying is, the U's not doing their fan base any favors. They still sold eight thousand three hundred tickets. They're selling the tickets. People just aren't going. The ticket costing is blown up by the fact that the reported attendance numbers are saying. Now, granted, the year before the Big Ten came in, the Gophers were at eleven thousand five hundred a game. That's one hundred and fifteen percent capacity. In terms of capacity, blows the doors off everybody in the country. North Dakota, Wisconsin are the only other two that were anywhere close to 10,000. So even to be reporting 8,000, that's a big step back. But that's the thing. Everybody keeps saying ticket cost, ticket cost. People are still buying the tickets. They're buying these season tickets. I don't know whether they're selling them. I don't know whether they're only going to, you know, 10 games and for some reason still buying the. I don't know what goes into that. But the season ticket numbers are still there. So, I hear the ticket cost argument. That makes sense to me on paper, but they're still buying the tickets. They're just choosing not to go to the games, which I don't understand at all. I don't know how. It makes you think that the number is inflated, but again, they have no reason to inflate that number. Is it a bad weekend to pick and choose because of the hunting opener? Because no, of because it's been it's the not weather. Just, it's not just this weekend that other people would have shown up, but whatever the reason was, there were legit reasons on Friday night. They didn't show up. Also, Saturday's game, four o'clock. As I'm walking out, they put an announcement on the on the big screen on the on the scoreboard. Tomorrow's game, four o'clock. Yeah, had a couple of people say, "What? Huh?" So season ticket holders, they didn't know that it was a four o'clock game on Saturday. I don't blame them. You would just think it's a seven o'clock game. They played at four o'clock on Saturday. So let's go back to last weekend then, where they're playing a top ten team. I don't know where Clarkson is located. You don't know where Clarkson is located. I couldn't name East. I, could, yeah, I, I know they're East. Yeah. I couldn't name one player. But no. it's, it's the it, they came in as the ninth ranked team All in the country. Right, yeah. Normal seven o'clock Friday. Normal seven o'clock Saturday. Still, the attendance reported seventy four, seventy two hundred both nights. Um, so if you yeah weather, hunting opener, 
um, weird game times. Sure, those are all in play this weekend. But even if you go back to last weekend, it, it, the problem is still there. And and I'm I'm trying to go back to look. There's not really. So is there a way to fix it? I mean, uh, think about the concessions yeah. you're losing, and, parking revenue. You're losing a lot of revenue. I don't care if the tickets are sold. You're still losing out on potential yes. revenue. Yes. So how do you fix that? If you're Mark Coyle, does he even exist? He writes a blog on occasion. Won't talk to me. He'll do his contractual pregame obligations on, on the football broadcasts. He'll do the occasional telecast obligation because he has to, contractually obligated. But we don't know that Mark Coyle exists. But if you're Mark Coyle, how do you fix this problem? I don't know how you, call, I don't know how you fix it. If you can't sell hockey in, in Minnesota... They're doing, like I said, they're doing what they can. Now, sure, you could crank down ticket costs, but if people aren't coming at whatever they're paying now, they're not going to. Maybe you get the families. You know, I'd be more inclined to take my girls to a game. We went to a women's game two mm-hmm. weeks ago, uh, five bucks against the number one Wisconsin Badgers, and my three year old loved it. Um, so maybe that fixes it, but. I don't think you're going to sell Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State on blowing up the Big Ten. Notre Dame? Does Notre Dame help at all? No, no, no. I mean, no. and I'm a Notre Dame football fan, and I understand how good their hockey team is, but that doesn't do anything more for me. I want to see the kid from Lakeville that went to North Dakota. I want to see the kid from Duluth I've been hearing about for six years since he was a bantam that went to UMD. I want to see the kid that went to St. Cloud that the Gophers didn't offer, who's playing with a chip on his shoulder and has built himself into an All-American. I want to see Mankato, who are uh, number one in the country for the first time in their existence, and come to Mariucci as the number one team in the country and have something to prove. I don't care about Ohio State. I don't care about... Wisconsin's great because of a rivalry. Wisconsin stunk two years ago. You know, so... I'm not going to sit here and beat the drum saying bring back the WCHA because that's never going to happen. But I don't know what you do to fix it. I really don't. If you have the solution, give us a ring. We'll take some calls when we come back. Rod Rick is on hold. He wants to talk college football. Whatever is on your mind. If you want to continue the college hockey topic, great. If you have a Vikings take, a Wolves take, whatever it is, 651-646-8255. 651-646-8255. Twins general manager Thad Levine will join us at 1030. Judge Show rolls on. That's right, sports fans. This is 1500 ESPN. Wolves slash Lynx owner Glenn Taylor joins us at 11 a.m. Twins general manager Thad Levine joins us next segment. Well, let's roll through some calls. Roderick, stay with me because you want to go college football. Let me get to college hockey first. Then we'll get to you, Roderick. We'll start with Craig. Craig, welcome to 1500 ESPN. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks for listening. You guys are discussing what's the problem with gopher hockey. In my opinion, it isn't one problem. It's just a multitude of small problems that add up. The other weekend they played North Dakota, and you could not find the game on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, later later you find out it wasn't on TV. And if you look in the St. Paul paper on coverage on the Gophers, they ran the article of the Gopher North Dakota game from the Grand Forks newspaper, which tells me they didn't even have anyone cover the game. Mm-hmm. I think Lucia is a problem. You certainly hear about him a lot. And the Big Ten is a problem. So it all adds up that there must be apathy that's been created or is existing for gopher hockey, which is unbelievable for a, for a sport that's so popular in Minnesota. One of you said something about, well, cut ticket prices. I don't. I, I would never cut ticket prices for, for hockey in this state. The state has proven they'll pay any price to see good hockey. So I don't think that's the solution. Uh, 
thanks for the call, by the way. All right, thank you, Craig. Thanks, Craig. He brings up some valid points. Yeah, I mean, the fact, out of the Gophers' control, but the fact Gophers North Dakota or Gophers UMD to start the year, the fact that there was no TV, no local TV. And that is not, that's not the Gophers Midco. nor FSN. Yeah, I mean, if fault. you lived in Fargo, Grand right. Forks, you got the game, but here in the Metro, you didn't get the game. And Duluth had the UMD game, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. But here in the Metro, you didn't, you didn't get the game. And that's sort of a college hockey thing. You just can't sell. College hockey TV packages. I mean, other than Grand Forks, Fargo, Minneapolis, that might be it. <laughs> well, fix that though. That should be I, I don't know where an I... easily fixable problem, right? Well, you got to give it away then. And, there has and... to be some long term planning there. But Gophers North that. Dakota should have been on TV here in the Metro. Right. Figure it out. Um, Craig threw it in that that jab that I hear all the time, Lucia. I don't understand where that's coming from. Uh, he is facing. Harder and hotter recruiting from outside than he, I think, ever has before, and is still putting a winning team. Now, I got a point on social media somebody saying, Well, you can't call winning Big Ten titles success. That's what their chart, that's not Don Lucia's fault. The Gophers voted against Big Ten hockey. That's the only thing they could do. All they can do is win what's in front of them. Correct. It's a point of reference. The fact that you win all these consecutive conference titles means you're doing something right. Maybe not in the postseason. But in the regular season. Before this run of six titles, they had a slump. They didn't go to the NCAA tournament for four straight years. And Don Lucia's job was very much in jeopardy. And he's responded with six conference titles and a couple Frozen Four appearances. I mean, he answered the bell. I mean, that was a bad stretch of four years. That should never happen here. Uh, one interesting Brian on Twitter here. Solution for Gophers. Serve beer in the main concourses. Dasani and hockey gets kind of boring. Good point. I think that's an NCAA rule. But we're starting to I bend that. I believe there's alcohol. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. Up in the club, the Mariucci Club. Well, that's how they got it into football, right? I mean, they, so if you can have it up there, sure. I mean, yeah, Brian's right. I mean, I won't lie. It would help. You know, it would help. Drew's buddy, his dad. You know, he's like, Darren, you want a beer? I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. If they sold them, right? You know, we're just sitting in the regular conventional, you know, right. seats. I'm like, we can't get beer here, Mariucci. I don't know if that would draw dozens upon dozens. But it would certainly help, at make, least from a revenue standpoint. We'll make a dent. Um, I mean, they found a way to get beer at TCF Bank Stadium. So, yeah, why not? Find a way to get beer at Mary yeah, Chi. Uh, the, the short answer is the Big Ten. The problem is with the Big Ten, and, mm-hmm. and it's and it's money drives the bus, and I don't know how you fix it. Hello, Bill. Hello. Hello. You're on. Hey, I, I wonder what um, – do you have any stats on the attendance back with Don Lucci – or, I'm sorry, when Doug Wood was – Coaching the team, and it was an all-Minnesota team all the time? Capacity. 10,000 every night. Yeah, I mean, least. you could not get a seat. Capacity. Yeah, I mean, it was the ticket to have in town, and that one was, of them. That was the case as recently as 2013-14, which was the last year of the WCHA. They were selling 11,500 tickets a game to a 10,000-seat arena. So why aren't we going back to that? You really care if a player happens to be from Wisconsin or North Dakota? I, that is that big of a deal to you? Especially Wisconsin and North Dakota. The the answer to your question, because recruiting has changed. Players are a lot more worldly now. A kid is way less afraid to leave Minnesota to go to Notre Dame or to leave Minnesota or not go to Minnesota but go to UMD or St. Cloud than they were even as recently as 10 years ago. That That's the reality of recruiting. It's, it's just the game has changed. Let me ask you this, Bill. Were you a fan of Thomas Vanek? Were you a fan of Phil Kessel? Grant Patoni. Grant Patoni. I don't even know those names. All right. Well, fair. All right. That's fine. Most Thank of, you, Bill. Appreciate it. The, I mean, the point is, those, I mean, who cares those, where the kids are from? All we named just won national championships, right? You want winners, right? I mean, a lot of people were upset. You know, I follow basketball passionately. A lot of people were upset that McKinley Wright of Champlain Park didn't come here. 
He'll be a good player for Colorado. I really love his future. The Gophers got Isaiah Washington, who's legit. So they got this point guard from New York City over the kid from Champlain Park. Who cares? Just bring in talent. When I moved to Duluth in 1997, I was there for eight years, and I was fully immersed in UMD culture. And at the time, UMD was winning by recruiting Canadians because every Minnesotan, um, you know, at the time I was up there, that was when Nick Angel from Duluth East went to the Mm -hmm. U. Uh, Gino Geyer from Greenway went to the U. Spihar. Uh, Dave Spihar famously went to the U. Uh, or infamously, depending on you. if you're a 218 or a 612. Um, it's just not. Players in Minnesota are. Look at an Anders Lee from Medina, who is going to have a tremendous. is having and will have a tremendous National Hockey League career. That was a kid that was a lock to be a gopher a generation ago. The world is different with social media, with ease of travel, with television. He's not afraid to leave Edina and go to Notre Dame and be a part of a program that. Maybe he isn't going to contend for a national championship, but that was the environment he wanted. He liked the coaches. Obviously, the academics there are spectacular. The U is fine academically. Um, there's kind of an Adina Notre Dame pipeline that has, has evolved. Um, kids are just not – it used to be if you got out of bed and hit the ground and hit on Minnesota turf, you were going to be a gopher if you were a good hockey player. It's just – it's not a reality anymore. And, and just like I can't bang the drum to go back to the days of the WCHA and get rid of the Big Ten, you can't turn the clock back and, and close the borders and say, we're going to get every Minnesotan. Because if you're only going to recruit Minnesotans now, you're going to lose. Because you're going to lose – even if you lose half of them and you get the better half, that half each year is not going to be enough to compete against the rest of the teams in the NCAA. Before Twins GM Fed Levine joins, we get to Roderick. Hello, Roderick. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. I actually mm-hmm. had two football questions, one pro, one college. Mm-hmm. The college one is, um, I think there should be some sort of rule similar to baseball, Major League Baseball, that if the if there is some sort of weather delay after a certain amount of time, they should cancel the game and postpone it till Sunday. The the uh, Penn State game had a three-and-a-half-hour weather yeah, delay. Yeah, it was ridiculous. The, yeah, Messed up had, TV viewing. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, you know, I know that the uh, Minnesota game was delayed for an hour. Mm-hmm. The Michigan State-Minnesota game, I think, had a weather delay of like an, an hour and a half. Minnesota-Purdue. Yeah. yeah, I think after 90 minutes, if the game can't be played, they need to cancel it and say, hey, Michigan Stadium is not going anywhere on Sunday. So let's just wait until Sunday and finish this off versus having a three-and-a-half-hour delay and then having to come back out after having played for one-and-a-half quarters. So that's my thought about college. My comment or question about the pros, about uh, about the Vikings, we talk about whether or not Sam, um, the quarterback, should be switched to Teddy Bridgewater once Teddy comes back. And my question for both of you is if Sam – does come back and Bradford comes back and says, Hey, I'm I'm healthy, I'm ready to play and then you have Teddy also ready to play and then you have Case holding down the fort and he's playing well. What do you do if you're Mike uh Zimmer? Do you play Bradford? Do you switch to Teddy who hasn't played or do you stick with Case Keenum? Rod- Thank you, Roderick. Hold tight on that second one, Dookie, because I think we're playing it. We can get to that later. That's that's a whole segment. That is a deep dive, <laughs> yes. Hold tight, Roderick. We're gonna do this one. We'll do that one later. We'll get to your first one. You can't play college football on Sundays. You just, you can't. Well, I mean, think about the logistics. Hotel rooms. Yeah, and people will drive in. travel. You'll have people. Oof. Look at Michigan. I mean, TV. People will drive in from all over the state. Oh, here, Minnesota. You'll get people driving in from Marshall that will stay here on Friday night or come up Saturday morning, watch the game. Say, you can't. It is a gathering. The reason baseball can do it is there's going to be a game tomorrow anyway. They know there's going to be a game tomorrow anyway. You just you And you cannot 
play college football on Sundays. I mean, I don't even like the Big Ten's playing some games on Friday nights. But we'll do the Viking quarterback situation at length later on in the show, Roderick. Thanks for calling. Twins GM Thad Levine is next. Becky and Judd are back. Okay, let's not scare the children. On 1500 ESPN. Welcome back to the Mackie and Judd Show. Those guys are on vacation. They are back tomorrow. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Chris Long from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. Dave Harrigan is here producing and technically directing. We are on until 1. Wolf slash Lynx owner Glenn Taylor joins us at 11. Joining us now, he is Twins General Manager Thad Levine. Somebody like us who wishes we were in a comparable tax bracket as one Glenn Taylor. Good morning, Thad. <laughs> Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. There is no such thing as an off-season. I mean, I'm just trying to think about yeah. your day today. Thank, thankfully, you carved out some time for us, Thad. But, you know, whether it's interviewing, you know, coaching candidates. You guys have a have an opening on your coaching staff. You know, you're trying to hire a trainer. You've got 40-man roster decisions. Heck, free agency starts later today. I mean, if you wanted to, you could sign a free agent later today. There is a lot going on right now. Uh, you're absolutely right. I think I think when the season ends is actually when our jobs start ramping up a little bit more. Uh, we start getting right into staffing discussions. Most of our staff's contracts expire on October 31st, and so we start extending our existing group. We talk, start talking about internal promotions, and then we, we sift out and see where the openings still lie. And one that was unexpected, as you just mentioned, was the bench coach. And so we thought we had uh, put together our entire staff when we hired Garvin Olsen, but then lo and behold, uh, Ron Gardenhire had some other ideas, and so he – Recruited Joe Vavra to join him, and so now we are interviewing for bench coaches, concurrent to meeting with our pro scouts and talking about the upcoming free agent class, which as you mentioned, uh, we'll hit the ground running on uh, five o'clock Eastern today, and we are start talking to other teams about trades. And in the meantime, we're, we're also trying to put together a medical staff at the major league and minor league level. So we got a lot going on, but these are exciting times for the Minnesota Twins. Thad, when you say hitting the ground running at 5 Eastern, 4 Central with free agency later today, is there a guy, I mean, you guys were aggressive last November, wasn't exactly like the first day or two, but Jason Castro, you guys got him done in November. You know, if you want to drop a name or two, that's great, but in general terms, is there a free agent that you guys will be uber aggressive on starting later today? I will wink vigorously if you mention the right name. <laughs> <laughs> We got to fire up our yeah. web. Let's Skype then. <laughs> Can we Skype? Yes. In, uh, in all practicality, I think last year was a little bit unique in so much as we had identified catching as a specific area of need. And then once you do that, there just was such a finite number of what we felt were uh, well above average competitive advantage catchers on the market. And so that led us down a path of really focusing our attention on Jason Castro. So this offseason, I don't know that we have that highly specific a need that is in a group of players that will be that small of a pool. So, you know, it's, it's no secret. We're going to be pursuing uh, pitching this offseason, both on the starting and relieving side. It's just, there are a lot more options out there, whether it be through trade or through free agency. So I don't think we're going to do anything highly as specific this offseason. That it's Chris Long here. What do you guys, and not just you, what does baseball as a whole take from what the Houston Astros have been able to do over the course of the last six years? I mean, they go from, I think it was, what, 300 lost seasons in a row? And I was looking at their 2013 roster. They had one guy making over a million a year in 2013. The the fact that this idea that baseball should take and does take and can take a long time to turn things around, they are obviously at the forefront of showing how quickly things can be turned around. And what your team accomplished this year shows that. But what do you take from the state of baseball with what the Astros have done over the last five, six years? 
Well, I think first and foremost, uh, you got to tip your hat to Jeff Lunau and Reed Ryan and and the ownership group over there. I think they they did a tremendous job. You know, it's easy to say that uh, they had 300 lost seasons and they got to pick high in the draft, but as we all know, uh, it's not easy making the right decision even when you're picking towards the top end. And on top of that, they did very well in the trade markets uh, and specifically highly targeted trades that they made. And they put together a championship-caliber team, and I think they deserve a ton of credit for that. I think we saw a little bit of that last year from the Chicago Cubs, who had also had a few down seasons to turn turn their franchise around. I think when Derek and I present to Jim Polad and the Polad family uh, our plans for how we could turn the Twins around, we were trying to do it without necessarily having to endure the low end of what the Cubs and the Houston Astros experience, you know, those multiple hundred lost seasons, those really do take a toll on your fan base. Uh, and what's more is I think Major League Baseball through the, the, this most recent CBA has put some uh, rules in place that really truncate the true upside value of finishing that low in the standings. Yeah. Uh, the pools internationally and domestically in the amateur markets have now been a little bit more normalized such that it's a little bit less favorable to those teams that, that finish towards the bottom of the standing. So for all those reasons, I don't know that that's a, a model that we would emulate just from a sure sustained loss, lo- losing standpoint. But the flip side is their talent evaluation has been very successful. Their, their development of their players has been very successful, and they've, they've been as uh, on, much on the forefront of sports science and analytics as any team. So there's a lot to emulate in those markets. I just were hopeful to do it absent of having multiple hundred lost seasons in a row. Thad, how much of the plan that you and Derek presented to the poll ads now has gone sideways a bit based on the success you had this year? You know, I mean, now do you say, okay, we weren't going to be uber aggressive on the free agent front or trading our prospects for, you know, for, for established players, you know, on the trade market front. But now that we've made the playoffs, the bar has been raised that much more, that we have to be that much more aggressive this particular offseason? Well, I think you guys just talked about it. We were in Houston just a couple of years ago, only had one player on their team that that was earning a million dollars or more. And and I think that's just a huge distinction between what we felt the 2016 hundred lost, uh, you know, the hundred lost Minnesota Twins type team versus those Houston hundred lost type teams. The distinction being that there just was so much more talent uh, on the the Minnesota Twins club. So when we talked to ownership about it, we talked about the fact that we didn't think we were as far away as your traditional 100-loss team would be. So I think the season we just experienced that the Minnesota Twins had was not all that out of line with what we thought they were capable of. Now, admittedly, they probably won a few more games than we were expecting, but I I think it was coupled with the fact that there was that second-tier of American League teams that really didn't fulfill their promise. And there were a lot of teams that were supposed to be vying for playoff spots between Toronto, Texas, Seattle, Tampa, Kansas City, and maybe even to a lesser extent Detroit, all of whom, for whatever reason, uh, did not. And so I think our team gets credit for for really realizing its potential, but also making the most of the opportunity that the rest of the American League presented to itself. So in terms of our plan and where we are in it, I certainly, you know, we wouldn't stand before you and say that our expectation was to make the playoffs in 2017. That was a, a very positive outcome as much as the previous year was probably a very anomalous uh, negative outcome, but we're, we're going to, we are going to accelerate our plans a little bit. You know, I think Derek and I both believe in the fact that when you have an opportunity to compete at the highest level, 
don't take that for granted. Just because we made the playoffs last year, we're not entitled to make the playoffs next year. Just because we saw the progress of a lot of our young players in 2017 doesn't mean that each of those guys will progress again in 2018. So we intend to invest this offseason. Ownership is supportive of those investments. Uh, and, you know, that could start as early as this afternoon, but we're, we're starting to have conversations with clubs uh, and we will start having conversations with agents alike to find out the best economical way for us to help the 2018 Minnesota Twins. It's pitching first and foremost, but could you pursue a bat? Is there the potential there of, of going after maybe some sort of DH or maybe somebody that's got some flexibility, DH first base? Well, you know, I, I think one thing that I've learned potentially sometimes the hard way in my career is when you think you have a unit on your team that's particularly strong, it's probably actually the time to double down on that unit, not take it for granted. Mm -hmm. So I think while the pitching will be our focus this offseason, I don't think it will be to the exclusion of being creative on the offensive standpoint. I think it will be important for us to continue to explore those. Now the bar is a little bit higher on the offensive side in terms of ways we can improve the club. One way we're really excited about improving the club is we get – Miguel Snowback. You know, we, we missed him for the last quarter of the season. That was pretty significant. There's no off-season free agent that we're going to be able to add that could have the impact that he could have. So he comes back to the team, which is, should be a big boon for us next year. But we'll continue to have conversations with other clubs, whether through trade or through free agency, to, to try to augment what we feel is a very strong unit on our team. J.D. Martinez, Carlos Santana, they're pretty good, but I'm with you. Yeah, nobody's matching Sano. On Sano, is the surgery later this week? And I suppose that was really last ditch. You were hoping that maybe rest, relaxation might solve the issue, but you had to go ahead and, and go ahead with the surgery? It's, it's a unique situation in so much as the recovery time is about eight weeks. So it gave us a little bit more of a runway at the beginning of the offseason to continue to explore every means aside from surgery, which is really the approach you have. Uh, in, in all injuries in, in baseball, is you, you try to avoid surgery if you can. Uh, we had a little bit more time to work with with Miguel, but now that we've gotten into the, the beginning of November, our, our thought is we need to get this done so that he has every opportunity to be full go in spring training. So that was kind of the deadline that we had put in was mid-November. He's getting the surgery done November 13th, next Monday, in, in New York uh, by a very talented specialist. He'll spend a week or two in, in New York for post-operative visits, and then he'll start his rehab program immediately thereafter. Is that rehab program at all based in the Dominican, or will it be here? Will it be in New York? We're, we're still having conversations. His agent's name is Kyle Thousand. He's been a great partner for us through this process, and uh, we are going to try to steer him as best we can to our complexes in the Dominican and in Fort Myers, and the agent's fully on board with that. I do think they'll be required to you know visit New York periodically to visit with the surgeon but outside of that our our hope and expectation is he'll be spending most of the offseason at one of our two complexes twins general manager thad levine on here with us it's darren wilson i'm chris long filling in for mackie and judd i read an article that it was from jonah carey and, and the headline said mlb teams have no clue about managers we're talking about all these moves you guys are going to make going forward i think i could certainly make the argument that you've made your largest offseason move uh, in, in retaining Paul Molitor, a move that I and most of us figured with what the team accomplished this year was a foregone conclusion. But then in the weeks since, we've seen Dusty Baker, John Farrell, Joe Girardi all let go after what are unquestionably, well, not unquestionably, uh, measurably successful runs. Uh, 
do you feel that it's almost too easy to say, well, they made this move because it's stability with Paul Molitor, but you talked about it after the move, just the fact that he's the right guy for this team. Uh, you know, and no one gave real specific reasons why Baker Farrell and Girardi were let go, but you guys were pretty good about giving specific reasons why you retained Paul. Well, you know, it's, it, there, there's a lot of things embedded in, in your comments there, but not the least of which was, I don't know if I've ever seen in my career so much coaching changes, managers and otherwise, on teams that made the playoffs. Right. These were the teams that presumably had successful campaigns in 2017. And by and large, I think we looked up at one point and I think six or seven of the pitching coaches for the 10 teams for that made the playoffs were, were leaving their posts. I mean, it was absolutely remarkable. There was the, the quality of pitching coaches that were on the market this offseason reminded me of, I think it was 10 to 12 years ago when uh, offense had been kind of suppressed in the game and everybody let their hitting coach go. Now all of a sudden offense is, is climbed back up the ladder and everyone's letting their pitching coaches go. But yeah, so there, it's a remarkable turn of events this offseason relative to the talented experienced men who have been on the marketplace uh, from a coaching perspective. But I think our feeling was very, very succinct. I mean, when we, we, we talked all along that we were going to address uh, Paul's situation come seasons end, uh, you know, once the, the playoff game came and went, uh, Derek and I were sitting in Paul's office in New York and we said, hey, we want to sit down with you tomorrow and talk about uh, you coming back. So we literally, I, I think he had gone and done his, press conference and the whole bit but that was about it he was still sitting in his uniform and we had the conversation true to what we had said that we wanted to wait till season's end but yep. it really was not a conversation that we you we were very convicted about that for for all the reasons you mentioned paul has been leading this team to to where it's, you know where it's achieved it's an amazing turnaround he has a great rapport with the players uh, i think he utilizes the resources around him to the best of his ability to make in-game decisions and you know, I think one thing that was a little bit lost in the shuffle this year was how masterfully he handled our position player team. I mm-hmm. think the, the guys get a ton of credit for progressing. I think James Rousing gets a ton of credit for helping them from the offensive side. But I think Paul's ability to put these guys in positions to succeed was significant. I mean, we looked at it at the end of the season, and our, of our starting nine, only two hitters didn't hit third or fourth for us. That was Jason Castro and Brian Dozier, ironically, who may have had our best offensive season. Paul mixed and matched throughout the course of our lineup up and down. And, and, you know, we really had 12 or 13 at times position players in the full rotation. He kept all those guys engaged. I think Paul did a masterful job with that. And then on the other side of the coin, he managed 36 different pitchers throughout the course of the year and took this. That's unbelievable. That, that, that in and of itself probably at least earns you a, a, a free bowl of soup, if not a, 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 an extension. So what, what he was able to accomplish on both sides of the ball in, in the backdrop of what, as I mentioned earlier, was a wide open American league. And we were the team who seized that opportunity when, you know, no, nobody was really picking us to do that. I think he deserves a ton of credit for that. Thank you, Fad. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. Fad Appreciate it. Levine, Twins general manager, always gracious with his time. Hopefully they can seize that opportunity next year, maybe even more so, maybe jumping ahead of the Indians. What about winning the Central? To do that, they need to add to the roster. I will give you, there'll be a little mini scoop session when we come back. I'll give you a couple names of free agents that I know they will at least inquire on. Doesn't mean they'll get these guys, but they will make phone calls on. <laughs> you Two Darvish. guys there interested. <laughs> you Darvish. Well, we'll see. How about that? We'll do that when we come back. It's Doogie. It's Chris Long. It's 1500 ESPN. 
Phil Mackey. Goofiest little SOB that ever lived. Judd Zolgad. Royce, he was on the show yesterday, and he said Judd was too negative. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait, 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 wait. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Show your gratitude this Veterans Day at O'Gara's with 1500 ESPN and CenturyLink. Garage Logic will be broadcasting live from O'Gara's this Friday. From 1 until 3, powered by CenturyLink. During the broadcast, all veterans are invited to join a free meal. And 25% of sales will be donated to a local military charity serving our troops. All the details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Wolves slash Lynx owner Glenn Taylor about six minutes away. It's Doogie. It's Chris Long from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. All right. Following up on Twins GM Thad Levine, who was on last segment. Here are two specific names. Now, there are plenty more that they will reach out on. Yeah. But here are two specific names. I mean, you were saying you Darvish. Yes. Do I think they will call on you Darvish? Is he one of the two? He was not one of the two. Okay. But yes, do I fully expect them to at least make the call to gauge what the price tag is? Six years, $110 million, whatever it is. Yes, I fully expect them to find out what the price is on you Darvish. But here are two for sure. Carlos Santana, DH slash first baseman. Don't they have... He can also play left field. This is somebody close to Santana. Don't they have three of those already? Yes, but there's enough position flexibility. He can play some in left. Yeah. They need a DH. Kenny Vargas isn't coming back. He's not your DH anyway. Plus then, Joe Maurer is a free agent after 2018. Carlos Santana can be your full-time first baseman 2019. Now, they love this Brent Rooker kid. The kid they took with like the 35th pick, the Mississippi State kid. He might be their future first baseman. He factors in somewhere in the next couple of years. Miguel Sano is not your future first baseman. He might be too. Okay. But that's where Santana, whether it's DH, play some left field. It's not like there's not a spot for Carlos Santana. Agreed. Plus, you poke a hole in the Indians if you end up signing him. Now, do I think the Twins will get Carlos Santana? <sighs> what's Probably his? Probably not. What's his, what's his average annual value? $14 million a year? $13 million a year? That's doable. Would you do four years, $50 million? That's, Yeah, that's doable. Am I on the low end? Four years, $60 million? I was going to say four fifty, but that's doable. I mean, that's that's doable. It'd be the biggest Twins free agent signing since ugh, fill in the blank. But Irvin Santana. Offensively. Ricky Nolasco. Josh Willingham. No. Three years, 24 at the time when they Santana, gave Willingham. I, I'm, I'm talking, not joking. When I, they gave Willingham no. that deal, that was the biggest offensive well, free agent point. signing. I'm talking impact, not necessarily just Well, dollars. he was okay. Yes, that would have a huge impact. Yeah. All, right. All right, who's the other one? Lance Lynn, St. Louis Cardinals pitcher. They will reach out on a number of pitchers. Alex Cobb, you Darvish, but Lance Lynn is another one that I fully expect them to reach out on. Lance Lynn, Carlos Santana, all these guys can actually sign contracts if they wanted to later tonight. Now, baseball free agency, different from the NFL and NBA no and tam- NHL. No tampering. Slow play, yes. 